Ayers on the Road, value-based parenting and life balance ideas from world-traveling family coaches. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. And we're back on Ayers on the Road. We're excited. Wow, it's fall around here, and we are thrilled to be back on this new time and this new show. Here in Utah, we've had a lot of fires, as some of you know in the news, and smoke in the air, but today is crystal clear and autumn and uh, where we are in park city the leaves are turning and uh boy i love this kind of this time of year that i could i could see it going on for months but i don't think that'll happen in fact it could snow next week who knows it could absolutely we had a huge storm one year in september years ago but anyway you just love fall because it's your birthday well i do love fall because it's my birthday we have a tradition for all of our children's birthdays in our family, and mine happens to be jumping in the leaves. (laughs) We may have mentioned that before. I'll bet we have. And you know, all of our kids live all over the world now with their families. And what we start getting in October is little leaves in the mail and grandkids saying, hey, we honored your tradition. We jumped in the leaves. We buried each other. We stuffed leaves down each other's back. Now, I don't know, you know, what that tradition means exactly, but it sure is fun. Uh, The leaves are coming down. Anyway, we are excited to be talking again today about marriage. Um, Marriage is what brings us together today. (laughs) I was going to say that, but I couldn't do it as well as you. Um, My favorite line from the movie Princess Bride. Oh, wow. We love that movie. We just, our kids just about have that memorized. In fact, Richard was this summer watching that with our little kids, our like three, four little girls. Oh, I want to introduce them to, you know, the best <laughs> movies of the world. They've got to know about Princess Bride and they've got to know about, um, well, you know. Black Stallion. Black Stallion. Uh, you know, there's a lot. There's a list. We've got some anyway, favorites. Uh, going on, we, um, we do think that marriage is, in what? fact, what we like to call it is marriaging. Instead of parenting, why why isn't there a verb called marriaging? I mean, it is. We are marriaging. We are working on our marriaging, and it really is important um, to think about it that way. Uh, you know, fifty years ago, parenting was not even a word. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it just didn't. People didn't think <laughs> about happened. parenting. It just happened. But now, marriaging is a big deal. That's our crusade. Make marriaging into a word that's of equal importance, maybe slightly more important than uh, than parenting. I, it makes me think, Linda, of a really funny time. We were with our, our daughter, Shawnee, last night, who is visiting from Arizona. And uh, I, I was thinking about a time way back when, when she was just a little girl. She was such a loving little girl. I called her Pixie was my nickname for her. And she was so cute and sparkly and happy. And and when I was trying to make a point to her one night, I bet she was about five. And I said, Shawnee, I just love you so, so, so much. I can't even tell you how much I love you. And I don't know why, how it came up, but I, I said, there's only one person in the world that I love just a little bit more than you. And her little face just fell. She was just so devastated. She said, Who is it? Who is it? I said, well, it's your mom. I love your mom the most of all. And, oh, she just couldn't handle that. She was just so <laughs> sad for just, the longest time. She was just talking about that. <laughs> I, I've had a fun, wonderful weekend. 
it really is pretty amazing. Uh, we were down at the Shakespeare Festival. It's still going on, folks. Go down there. They have such great entertainment. Oh, a lot of the Shakespeare stuff is, has finished. The fellow's uh, still there. But there are some fabulous plays down there still and uh, going, I think, and through October, some of them. So Linda does this. She takes her daughters and her daughters-in-law, and she runs off on little trips, sometimes big trips, and leaves me to fend for myself. Oh, you poor dear. That's why I'm glad we're talking about marriage today. I think, you know, you, you need to know how poorly I function when you're not here. <laughs> <laughs> well, you sort of know that because you saw the kitchen. and I saw the dishes. <laughs> yeah, I saw all that. But anyway, um, it really is exciting and important to keep talking about marriage because those of you who are married, and we know we're talking to an audience a lot of single parents and so on who have had unfortunate experiences with marriage, but or maybe fortunate, uh, maybe they got out of the or maybe thing. yeah, but some have lost spouses and uh, you know it really is. It's still it's so important to talk about it, think about it, improve it, do the best we can to um, to ha have our partners be well, our most important priority. Yeah, and you 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 should know that when we decided to do this little series on on the most important things, tips, if you will, ideas that we have seen work all over the world in marriages. When we, when we decided to do this little mini series on this show, we, uh, we sat down and made up a list and we came up with 20, 20 tips, 20 of the best marriage tips uh, that we've ever found. And, and Linda said, that's way too many. And I said, well, maybe we should have 30. I mean, maybe we should just keep going. <laughs> no, that is way too many. <laughs> But we boiled it down to 10. And this one today that we're going to be talking about is, is number four. Um, we don't always do them every week. As you know, We things come up. And we talked, for example, about the myths of marriage uh, recently. But that wasn't one of the 10 tips. And, and anyway, this is number four. And I, in some ways, Linda, this may be the most, I don't know if it's the most important. It may be the the most interesting in some ways to talk about because what we're what we're focusing on today is how do you resolve conflicts within marriage what are the ways that that work because there's a lot of talk about conflict resolution and some of the ideas frankly we think are really bad they 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 exacerbate differences they cause more problems than they solve and we're going to try to suggest some things today that we think when you have a disagreement in a marriage uh, in a relationship, uh, whether it's a little one, and there are a lot of little ones that come along, or whether it's something pretty major, how do you go about it? How do you handle it? And Linda, maybe before we even get to those solutions, we should talk about, um, you know, is 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 conflict in, in, in marriage necessary? Or are there some marriages that progress to the point where there is no conflict, there's no disagreement, there's no argument, there's no fighting, there's no, you know, everything's copacetic, everything's perfect. Both parties just completely agree on everything. Well, I don't think it, there's any marriage that there's no conflict and is perfect, but um, but I do think we have a little more conflict than most people. <laughs> and um, that you would call it conflict, I would call it excitement. Yeah, I know, I know you would, but. <laughs> It really is. We, I'm married to a very strong-willed person. Of course, I, on the other hand, am just so easy to get along with. And uh, you know, some people think you are. Some people who know us not very well 
just think that <laughs> Linda's this wonderfully agreeable person who just fits into any situation and accommodates every need. And there's some truth in that. But I know the real you. Yeah, I have my opinion, too. And there's a lot of pushback going on every week because we do things so differently. But um, I think there's some ways we've discovered, and maybe that's why we've discovered these, because we've spent so much time in conflict, of how to resolve conflict and, and how to get past it or through it. I guess you have to go through it sometimes to get past it. Well, maybe a couple things before we get to those actual methods, though. Um, there's two big questions I'd like to ask everyone to think about for a minute today. Um, number one, should your kids see you disagreeing? Should that ever happen or should you completely hide any differences you have from your children? And question number two, um, is disagreement a positive or a negative thing? I mean, is it something that can turn out well or is it always a problem? And I, and I guess there's a third one. Um, and maybe this is one that I can portray with a couple of cliches. We've all heard the phrase, some things are better left unsaid. And, and the question is, is that true? Is it true that on some things you just agree to disagree as a couple, as a married couple, let's, let, you know, we're never going to solve that one. You think one way, I think another way. Let's agree to disagree and just not talk about it anymore. Or is, is it more true, the other old cliche that says, unexpressed feelings never die. They just get buried and come forth later in uglier forms. In other words, do you sweep things under the carpet and ignore them when there's a problem or a difference of opinion or a, a thing where you've hurt each other's feelings? You just ignore it, hope it goes away, or will that thing end up festering as we go along? What do you think on those on those three? What about well, the, on the first one? The I really, children? I really think. Oh, the children. Yeah, 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 I do think it's important to resolve. You know, as soon as children see you arguing, they think divorce. Our parents are getting divorced. Oh my gosh, we can't do this. Anyway, um, it really is important to resolve when your kids see you arguing, disagreeing. So you're saying when you've worked it out. They need to see that you've worked it out. I mean, I don't mean a big old swoop and kiss and hug and all that stuff. Well, that's okay I mean, too. I know you think so, but anyway, it really is important that the kids know that you still love each other, even though you disagree. So you're saying you're actually saying it's not a terrible thing if kids know that you disagree or see you sometimes in conflict. Hopefully, not violent, not not mad, not uh, destructive. But you think they should see that there's disagreement, but they should also see the resolution. Yeah, exactly. It does remind me of that. You know, we've had people come and say to us, my parents never disagreed. They never, ever disagreed. They never fought. And we always say, well, they hid it from you pretty well. You yeah, know? I think that there's always So you're always saying that. maybe it's more honest if they know you disagree, yeah. but also know that you. And the second one, I really think that it's fine to just disagree on some things and leave it at that. I mean, we just do not think alike enough to think that we're going to agree on every single thing. And I think it's okay just to well, agree to disagree. You know that. But on a, you're talking about a method or, or a way of doing something. You're not talking about a major thing where, you know, there's been hurt feelings and so on. We just, let's not even resolve, let's just quit. Let's just stop. Let's just agree we're never going to solve this. Because that's the kind of feeling 
that gets hidden and comes forth later in uglier ways. Right, but that's the kind of thing where you say, I understand how you feel and you're really not going to change your mind. And I understand how I feel and I'm not going to change my mind. But we still love each other. We don't have to. I mean, there are households, of, you know, we know, we have friends who the wife's a Republican, the, uh, the husband's a Democrat, and they disagree on politics completely, but they still completely love each other. Okay, well, I think that's an interesting point that we're trying to clarify here. So you're saying you can have different views, but I think I'm saying, but if there's something personal that's happened and feelings have been hurt or there's an unresolved thing that's going to affect how you do something um, down the yeah, road, of course. You've, got to, you've got to somehow come together and, and figure that out, even if it's a little painful. And one of the methods we're going to talk about on the other side of the break is setting aside a certain time when any little loose ends or disagreements or bad feelings have a chance to surface and to be rectified or, or, or resolved before they become these terrible little things that are hidden and that are deep down inside and they're, they're resentments. And then come back later in uglier forms. Right. And I too agree with that. I mean, sometimes I've been so mad at you and I didn't even know why. And it's because I buried a lot of things over and over again, like, ah, that drives me crazy. We have to dig uh, them out. We have to. Uh, and so it, finally I realized I'm not really mad at what's happening now. I'm mad because it is the end of a long line of things that I'm mad about. So I think that is really important to dig those things up and really express. All right. So we've sort of in the first half <laughs> talked about the, the, the who, what, where, when, and why of some of these disagreements. But in the second half, we're going to talk about the how. What are the best ways to resolve conflicts within a marriage or a relationship. We'll be right back after this brief break. Welcome back to Ayers on the Road. Here's Richard and Linda Iyer. And we're back talking about marriage today, one of the most important topics we can think of. And, and specifically, conflict resolution within marriage or... I don't know, would you say any relationship? No, it's very different, isn't it? I mean, a marriage or, or a love relationship that you hope to last, it's more important to resolve those conflicts than any others. I actually think some things are better left unsaid in, in a business relationship or even a friend relationship, but not permanently in the marriage. Not permanently, but you do need to bring things up that are bothering you and then talk it through. And even if you don't resolve it right away, at least your partner knows how you feel. So let's start with that one, Linda. The, the, the first, we're going to give you three things we think are always important and always work. And one is to get the air cleared at some kind of regular intervals. Now, we got some advice when we got married by the person who married us, by the person who performed the marriage that turned out to be really, at least for us, really bad advice. The worst <laughs> advice we've ever had. I mean, he didn't know us very well, I guess, and how could he? But anyway, um, he said, never let the sun set on an argument. Sounded oh my so poetic. gosh, we went for years staying up all night talking. We get so exhausted. Don't go to don't go to bed until you've got everything resolved and things are perfectly copacetic <laughs> between you. 
I'm not sure he used that word, but anyway, he well, really he used the poetic phrase, never let the sun set on the disagreement. Like, yeah. wait a second in the winter, that's at four o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, it really is, uh, not good advice. We realized that we were just getting so exhausted, just disagreeing with each other and being digging our heels in and the word and the later it got the worse it got because the more tired we got. And um, so we just came up with a new plan. And we, we sort of adjusted the time frame, didn't we, Linda? Yep. Uh, we decided never let the weekend on a, on a really big disagreement. So on Sundays, we have a session. I have to say that Richard's a business school guy. <laughs> Came from the Harvard Business School. So um, we have to have it all business terms. Well, we used to. I'm kind of getting over that. So um, anyway, we called it an executive session. So um, I figured we were the top <laughs> management of the family. <laughs> yeah, we need to be. And then just a little throw in here. We also, as the kids got older and some of them were able to help with the younger kids. We, we had a middle management session. That was good, by the right. way. We, anyway, not to We get, promoted kids up to middle management. Right. You're going to be part of the solution now, not part of the problem. Right. <laughs> now, not to get distracted, though. We did have this executive session. Well, we did go through the, our schedule and so on. We started calling it more of a Sunday session. Just we started to remind calling us it that a we Sunday had to do it every session, Sunday. Every Sunday. And we, um, sometimes if I had, if I got my feelings hurt, or if I just um, felt bad about something, a lot of other stuff was going on. I'm thinking, well, I don't have time to stop and have an argument. I'm saving this until Sunday. And then by then, feelings were kind of dissipated a little bit. And I think it was really helpful. And then on Sunday, um, we had a lot of kids who, who took Suzuki violin lessons. And this is Suzuki method. Tell them something really positive on the first. Like, this is a sandwich method. Also, really positive, the bread on the first. And then the meat in the middle of what you really want to say. And then the bread on the end. So assure them that you do love them and so on. But you really hurt my feelings this week. Do you remember how this happened and this happened? And uh, sometimes it was a total surprise to you. Sometimes you kind of knew. And uh, to end with something really positive is all, always really good, too. And I'm not sure I always did that right. <laughs> I think you did it really well. And, and I think... For the audience we have on this radio show, we can even be a little more specific in that. We also called it at times a testimony meeting, a private testimony meeting or feeling session. And we would have to do this when the kids were not around. We'd have to do it early in the morning on Sunday or, or in the evening after they were in bed. So we could have a little private time together. Not a lot of time, but some, some concentrated moments when we could do our scheduling for the week and other things, but also where we could have this little testimony meeting or feeling session where we express our love to each other and to other things, our, our, our spiritual Just mostly testimony. what we've been thinking about during the week. And I think you don't take time to talk to your partner about what you've been thinking about, whether it's something spiritual, whether it's something um, startling that you've learned or, but the point is within that atmosphere, within the atmosphere of a test, I'm sharing a testimony with you. I'm sharing my feelings with you or whatever within that atmosphere. It's, it's almost impossible to offend someone because there's a good spirit. There's a good feeling. And as a result of that, you can, you can say, you know, I know we had a disagreement last Wednesday and, we talked it out as best we could, but let me just say, here's 
how I feel about you and here's how I feel about that. And, and you know, we, we tend to get back together on things. So the first of the conflict resolution methods is don't try to resolve everything instantly because that for certain personalities will never work, but don't let it go too long. And for us, Sunday was a day to sort of clear the air. It was, and I, testimony is kind of a strong word. Uh, in our culture, it means something, and in other cultures, hopefully it means something different. But um, we we really talk to people all over the world about this, and we, we call it a feeling session. Let, let's talk about how we feel. Right. I just spend a few minutes talking about how we feel. Now, the second method that seems to always be helpful for couples wherever we have been wherever we've talked to people, I think there's a lot of different words for it, but but the one I like is Rogerian technique because Carl Rogers, the, the famous therapist, the famous psychiatrist, had a simple little device that he would give to people, especially to couples, and it was essentially a technique where if we're in a conflict or if we have a disagreement, let's have a ground rule that I can't make my next point or my next argument or my next sort of justification where I can't, I can't have my turn until I paraphrase back what you've just said and get it right. So we're having this discussion and we have this rule and now I say, okay, what you're saying then Linda is, and I repeat it. If you say, yes, that is what I'm saying, then I can go ahead and make my next point. And it's such a relief. And in some conflict resolutions, I, I would swear he was not listening. He did not know what I said. And the minute I hear him say, this is how you feel, and he gets it right, I'm like, are you kidding? You really know that? And you're still saying that? Oh, my gosh. Or, or I mean, you are so good at this, honey. I have to say, you really are so good at it. Well, not, I am when I focus on listening to you, and, that, and that's the focus. point. Yeah. That's the point is forcing yourself to listen to what the other person's saying. Listen well enough that you can actually paraphrase it back to them. Yeah. And, and so it's the listening that counts. Well, and you're so great at that. What I do is say, okay, this is what you're saying. This is what you feel, but don't you realize how dumb that is? That <laughs> well, is and then, so ridiculous. And then, well, and then, and then we start all over again. You know? Yeah, ideally you say, is that what you just said? And I say, no, that you, you misunderstood me. Here's what I'm saying. And then you say, okay, this is what you're saying. And when you get it, so I feel like, yeah, you did hear me, then you can make your next point and so on. And it's a simple technique, but it diffuses the argument right away. It diffuses and it begins to get this kind of listening communication where you're, you're going to come together. You're going to get to a resolution. On that. Right. I, that's really a good one. Now, the third one is your personal favorite, Linda, I think. And it took me a while to come around to this. This is something we learned on, a, on one of our speaking tours from some people that had a interesting way of saying it and we call it go to the balcony yeah we actually got this idea from bruce feiler who's a great great guy does so much good writing and uh he says you know when you're in the middle of a conflict just say wait take a break i'm gonna leave and and you leave and let's let's converge later but he actually says I go away and I, I pretend like I'm just standing. like a timeout for a little for a right. few minutes. And I pretend like I'm standing on a balcony and in a theater and I'm looking at the stage, looking at us argue. And I'm thinking, what could she be thinking? What? What was that about? 
Um, wait I, a get a, I get a really perspective. Right. Yeah. I get some perspective on what's going on. Why is she saying that? Are there, you know, are these buried feelings coming forth or whatever? And she says, he said, even when I do that, it is so insightful because I start thinking to myself, what could she be thinking instead of making my point all the time? So he said, not- just go, go away, change clothes, uh, go do gardening for a minute and then come back. Right. Agree to come back together and talk about it again. And you have a whole new perspective. You're not walking away. I mean, you're not, you're not, the worst thing you can do in arguments is just say, we're done. I'm out of here and leave and, and leave mad. And, and, you know, that, that just deepens the gulf, whatever it is. But it's like a little time out. It's like, let's go to the balcony. And I, I did think it was interesting. Sometimes you just go change your clothes or you just go wash your hands or you just go weed, pull a weed out in the garden or you do something. Yeah to disengage you from the emotion of, or the hurt feeling or whatever it is of that moment. And then you come back together 10 minutes later and you, you're both a little calmer. You both sort of tried to think a little more perspective and you pick it up again. Yeah. Now let me just say that every couple is different and some of these things will just will work for you. And some of them just won't having being with these girls this weekend, has been so insightful because they, and honestly, nobody says anything really bad about their spouse, but they just say, my spouse would not, could not do this. They, they can't, They're, they came from a different culture and they could not do that. We went to, um, actually went to Tuacon and saw the Prince of Egypt down in St. George, which was fabulous. It was so amazing. They actually parted the Red Sea in this, <laughs> in this play, but we t- had a chance to talk on the way home because we had a long drive and, and we were talking about different aspects of different husbands and how they handle things. And this is Linda and her daughters, if you're imagining right. this conversation. And a daughter-in-law. No men are there. Who was married to one of our sons. And it was so interesting to hear their perspectives of how they work through things and, and you know what they will do. And then when they come to a stop, nope. I can't do that. Nope, I can't do that. Because they're raised in a very interesting, our daughters were raised in Well, in other culture. cultures. I mean, so we had to modify this when we're speaking in mm-hmm. India or when we're speaking in the Middle East, particularly, where, <laughs> well, we won't get into that. No. Uh, men and women can't be in the same room some of the time. But, but the point is, I think the principles of these three methods are what matters, and you adapt them for yourself. But the idea of, you know, um, using some listening techniques like Rogerian technique, having some perspective where you pull apart and come back together and, you know, just, just and then thinking, having a little session actually on yeah, Sundays and really devoted about to it. that. Yeah. That's that's the purpose of it. I think that's the key. Now there is a fourth method, Linda, and we probably should mention it because it's probably helped us more than any other single thing. And, you know, you can take it or leave it, but praying, when you pray together as a couple, if you have a faith tradition and if you are people who pray, and most people in this world do in yes, some form do. or another, yeah. then there's something magical about it's not a two-way partnership. Now it's a three-way and you're speaking to, to your perception of God. And a lot of times that will pull you together on things where nothing else fails. I mean, that I, is I, it's really true. I love what Lincoln said. Abraham Lincoln said, there are times when I'm driven to my knees by the overwhelming conviction that there's nowhere else to go. And that works in marriage. There are times when you feel 
I've got nowhere else to go. We can't resolve. We better we better get some help on this. And the interesting thing pray. about it is sometimes when I start praying and we each take turn talking out loud um, about what we're worrying about, and I said, please help this person to realize that he is wrong. <laughs> That's wrong. not the kind of prayer and then we're talking about. The longer, no, what I'm saying is the longer I go in the West, oh, and I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that I'm so bullheaded. Let me let me understand this person. So it does, it does evolve, and it's a wonderful process. So time flies when you're having fun. I wish we had more time on this important subject, but do some thinking together. Figure out your own methods. Don't just make them up as you go along. Have in mind what you're going to do when you have disagreements and how you're going to resolve them. And we will see you next time on... Ayers on the Road. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.